Luxacult is part of the Green Mushroom Podcast Network. I'm through with this grand looking glass hotel where adjectives play croquet with flamingo nouns. Methinks I shall absent me for a while from rhetoric of these Rococo queens. Item, chuck out royal rigmarole of props and auction off each rare white rabbit verb. Send my muse Alice packing with gaudy scraps of mushroom simile and griffon garb. My native sleight of hand is wearing out. Mad Hatter's hat yields no new metaphor, and Jabberwock will not translate his songs. It's time to vanish like the Cheshire cat, alone to that authentic island where cabbages are cabbages, kings, kings. That is A Sorcerer Bids Farewell to Seam by Sylvia Plath. Hello and welcome to Luxacult. This is, of course, the podcast where we gleefully taunt the mundane, butcher the Latin and most other languages, and also discuss a variety of occult, esoteric, and adjacent topics. I'm your host, Lux Estrada, and if you're hearing the sound of my voice right now, that means that this show and magic are for you if you want them. There are a lot of different ways to be more free, and using magic or making space for a spiritual practice in your life can be one of them. As always, I don't speak for anybody but myself. Others can, will, and should disagree with me sometimes. How would anybody ever learn anything if we were all in agreement on all things at all times after all? Unlike those who attempt to be reasonable should be willing to do, I am willing to revise my opinions based on new evidence. Stoked to bring you a really great conversation that I had with Douglas Batchelor of the What Magic Is This podcast about the rabbit hole that he, I, and many others have been down recently, exploring the phenomena. And here I mean the things which we would typically classify as paranormal stuff, ghosts, unidentified flying objects, or aerial phenomena, etc. Exploring these things from perspective which is informed by an occult or magical practice or by being a student of the weird and strange as it were. As regular listeners to the show will already be aware this is something that I have taken a newfound interest in due to current events and other factors. I've always found the topic interesting. Like many occultists I'm somewhat of a spooky nerd and I enjoy thinking about things which are multi-layered and multi-faceted and mysterious. And this UAP stuff and the discussions which surround it have plenty for the curious person to sink their teeth into. If you're somebody who tends to have a bit of a skeptical bent to the way that you think, like I do, there's a lot of interesting psychological and anthropological and magical things to look at, other than the question of whether or not there are aliens or others or whatever walking among us or talking to the US government or whatever else has been recently suggested, right? Doug has been doing a ton of research into this topic. He's 
kind of been into it for most of his life, looking at things like aliens, fairies, and many other occult topics besides. And he always does a great job presenting complex information in easy-to-access ways. So I thought he would be a great person to have a discussion with as I continue my own research into the intersections of the paranormal and the occult or magical, of which I suspect there are indeed several. Flood from over at the XV Planus podcast, another fine show here on the Green Mushroom Podcast Network, is a paranormal investigator, and he and I are going to be collaborating on building out some experiments and tools and other tech to play with. I'm going to share the first bit of that later on after the interview with you all. But before we get any further into things, I'd like to say thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you taking the time to hang out with me and my fantastic guest here today. As I'm fond of saying, time is of course one of the few zero-sum games we ever play, so I really do appreciate you spending some of yours here with us. As a very introverted person, I don't use social media very often, it's kind of a lot, I'm not there checking on stuff every day or anything like that, but that certainly does not mean that I do not want to hear from you all. I'm beyond lucky to have such amazing listeners, collaborators, cohorts, core conspirators, etc. I always welcome people's thoughts, questions, comments, suggestions, or arcane revelations. You can reach me at luxacultpod at gmail.com, or you can find me on Instagram at luxacultpod. If you like the show and the other stuff that I've been getting into, you can support it on Patreon. If you do so, you can take a bibliomancy break with me. There are no tiers or levels or whatever, so give as you will. Buy me a coffee is an option for those who wish to show their one-time support with a donation, but do not want to do the whole Patreon thing. Thank you so much to everybody who is supporting the show. Uh, there is overhead costs associated with making something like this, as is always the case. So your support really literally does make it possible by allowing me to cover these expenses, thereby justifying to myself the inconsiderable amount of time I spend producing this thing, um, which I really do enjoy. So thank you so much for making that possible. Okay, so as was also the case in the last episode, in which one of my guests, Derek Hunter, talked about Shakespeare being a sort of egregore, which resulted from a collaborative hyper-sigil. At least this is how what happened back then, according to Derek's research, would be described in my circles. But we could use other language to say the same thing, maybe to other people that don't know what an egregore or a collaborative hypersigil means. <laughs> There's a lot to consider regarding the power of narrative, though, and how these discussions about the phenomenon play out in the media and elsewhere. The narrative which we will be taking a peek at in a small way today is this. What does it look like when a new religion is taking shape? A lot of people are making the point that this is exactly what's going on with all this UFO, UAP interest, and has been for some time. I'm going to read a bit about what is now a sort of classic UFO religion. I'm not talking about Scientology, sorry. This is Realianism. As I do so, I'd like you to keep an ear out for some similarities that you might be able to spot between what's being espoused here and what we might hear in other types of or other religious doctrines from other religions. I'd also like you to think of some places in entertainment media, perhaps, where some of these ideas that the Raelians are talking about might have gotten a signal boost or two. I think I might be able to think of a few. Okay. So the Realians, it says on Wikipedia, not to be confused with realism, <laughs> uh, also known as Realianism, is a UFO religion founded in the 1970s in France by Claude Vorilhan, known now as Rael. 
Scholars of religion classify Raelianism as a new religious movement. The group is formalized uh, as the International Raelian Movement, IRM, or the Raelian Church, a hierarchical organization under Rael's leadership. So this philosophy teaches that an extraterrestrial species known as the Elohim created humanity using their advanced technology. An atheistic religion, it holds that the Elohim have historically been mistaken for gods. It claims that throughout history, the Elohim have created 40 Elohim slash human hybrids who have served as prophets preparing humanity for news about their origins. Among them are the Buddha, Jesus, and Muhammad, with Rael himself being the 40th and final prophet. So that's handy. Realists believe that since the atomic bombing of Hiroshima in 1945, humanity has entered an age of apocalypse in which it threatens itself with nuclear annihilation. Realism holds that humanity must find a way to harness new scientific and technological development for peaceful purposes, and that when this has been achieved, the Elohim will return to Earth to share their technology with humanity and establish a utopia. To this end, Raelians have sought to build an embassy for the Elohim that incorporates a landing pad for their spaceship. Raelians engage in daily meditation, hope for physical immortality through human cloning, and promote a liberal ethical system with strong emphasis on sexual experimentation. In 1988, Rael established the Order of Angels, an international all-female group whose members are largely sequestered from wider society and tasked with training themselves to become the Elohim's consorts. In 1997, Rael initiated Colonnade, an organization engaged in research and human cloning. In 2002, the company claimed to have produced a human clone, a baby named Eve, bringing much critical scrutiny and media attention. The movement has attracted further attention through its public protests endorsing causes such as women's and gay rights and against nuclear testing. All right, cool. Thanks, Wikipedia. So this was only a portion of this lengthy entry, and you can go and read the rest of that and check out more about Raelianism on their website. You can also see their... um, somewhat confusing at first uh, symbol. <laughs> Not No comment on that. It's, it's very complex. But anyway, keeping on point here. So to me, a lot of this sounds familiar. Some guy, or, you know, less often it's a woman. I don't think I've read about any, like, gender non-binary cult or religious leaders, but write to me at LuxaCultPod and let me know if you have, because I'm curious. Anyway, so somebody's the head honcho. People are, you know, looking to the skies for answers, uh, you know, bigger, smarter people, people who made us, other people, uh, usually women are like sequestering themselves from society to become consorts for the divine or some other kinky thing like that. They're funding efforts that the religion supports. So, I mean, this sounds like pretty familiar territory. What I find so interesting about this is that it really doesn't take us anywhere new from a philosophical standpoint than, say, you know, something like Christianity, in which it seems to be largely based, at least as far as I can tell. But it might be a much more approachable path to getting to a similar place for some people. So some of what is espoused in this religion sounds suspiciously similar to some of the things that we've heard out of people like David Grush. Only in his version of things, it's the U.S. government who have the direct line of communication with these non-human intelligences. 
And perhaps they do, I have no clue. And to be honest, for me at least, that's kind of far down on the list of things which I find interesting about all of this. This narrative about having contact with a higher power just sounds sort of familiar is all. And for a population like the US, who tends to become periodically enraptured by some kind of religious zeal or other, um, satanic panic anyone, it would make sense to want to be the ones like holding the reins in the situation. It, it's totally logical. Anybody who's taken a chance to look, and many who have not, but who have been hit over the head with the information regardless, the world is a weird place that operates in a manner other than our normal sense data would suggest. The paranormal happens, and the weird and the spooky, and the only reason that more scientists aren't into investigating that type of stuff is that A, there's like little or no money to fund any research because what would the product be that you could like sell? B, your career would be in the toilet because of the politics of academia, everybody would be laughing at you. C, it's incredibly frustrating and difficult to study something that doesn't like to happen in laboratory conditions. And D, it's not been a very healthy choice for many who have decided to go down that route looking at history. So all kinds of reasons there. But there's obviously something interesting and compelling and mysterious going on. I don't think anybody who's objectively looked at things would, would deny that. People do have these intense and life-altering experiences. One of the reasons I'm pursuing the work with Flood that I mentioned earlier is that I want to make a point about this being something that we can explore on our own in more, I don't know, spiritual ways than just waiting with bated breath for a government that a lot of people don't trust anyway to tell us what we want to hear would maybe be one way of saying it. We don't need them. We can fuck around and find out on our own terms as people throughout history have been doing with the lights that we see in the sky. Someone who's been lucky enough to have had a cool experience with these lights in the sky is my guest today. Douglas Batchelor is another unfortunate soul who started a podcast in their mid-30s. <laughs> Cheers. A lifelong strange person and practical magician, Douglas does weird shit in hopes that weird shit happens. His podcast, What Magic Is This?, for the most part is introductory and meant to be a welcoming hand to those who find stepping into the waters of magic and the occult to be a bit difficult, or for those who are merely curious. It's fantastic stuff. I'll be back after the interview to share more thoughts about the phenomenon, do some updates and shout outs. But now, in celebration of Valentine's Day, I'd like to share a track from The Green Mushroom and We the Hollowed digital mixtape, Fuck Around and Find Out Part 2. This one is called Frater Mindbender's Goddess Sonnets. Big thanks to everybody who contributed to the mixtape, and a very happy Valentine's Day to Shane Mindbender, Jenny, and to anyone celebrating. Much love. It's poetry time with Shane the Mindbender, but first an introduction. Since I first met her, I've been compelled to worship my beloved as the creator goddess incarnate. She embodies all the traits I admire in the female deities I work with and for on my spiritual path. I dedicate these three sonnets to our goddess's three manifestations. Eris, the maiden who warrants of chaos and inspires solutions. Baravi, the fierce, terrifying, and beautiful matron warrior. Yorth, our elder, fount of wisdom and our world. And to my Jenny, who is the goddess made flesh. Chasing her. My Jenny glows with the light of Eris. Perception runs high, a gift to the tribe. Lesser men fear your clear sight and strong will, but you do not scare this troubleshooter. 
When something's amiss and life is chaos, you give your all to regaining balance. We met while I was exploring bottom. The gate to your love opened with child's play. Soft words, a playful peek, and subtle hints rouse me to chase my Jenny, my heiress. Forged in her virtue, my Jenny, Baravi, fierce mother bear, will nurture all those who can face their truth. Instinct and intuition are unmatched. Her man and her sons bask in boundless love. A boy was ill, allopathy, useless. Her intuition sang, the truth came forth. Beautiful matron, the sword, light bringer, a beacon on my quest for spiritual growth. Terror to the uninitiated. May the fire of her passion burn me through. My world. Beautiful Jenny, she is Yorth made flesh. One foot in the kingdom, one in Yisad. Fearless of the gate between life and death. Her only dread, despoiling creation. A cunning woman and master healer. She restores the body with nourishment. While her lover tugs her toward idle play, she remains fixed upon the big picture. She is joy and rapture amid nature. I tag along, enamored. She is my world. My guest today is Douglas Bachelor of the What Magic Is This podcast. What's going on? Oh my gosh, it's great to be back, Lux. It's been a long time. You were uh, you were up there. I think you were in maybe the first five of people that asked me to be on their show when I first started out. So it's been a long time. My goodness, how have you been? I've been doing really well, really well. And you were definitely one of the first guests that I had on. There was some interesting synchronicities that led me to your show. And it yeah, it all kind of came together from there. And yeah, I do want to say, like, just right out the gate here, I really do appreciate how decent you were and how supportive when I was first starting to podcast, because I'm not sure I would be continuing to make this show if you and other people like you hadn't uh, been super cool about stuff like that. So thank Hogwash. You. No, your your podcast rises above the rest. I, I I actively listen to Lux Occult and it's although I'm really far behind right now, but it's for everybody don't but making podcasts no. and listening to podcasts is sometimes not easy to do at once i no. get it <laughs> no. no it is not if 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 i say i say this jokingly but i tell other people if you if you have a podcast listening addiction uh, the best way to cure it is start your own podcast <laughs> yes. it, it truly will and like i'm so behind i think Anyways, it's just been nuts. But no, your show, right? Your what you do, Lux, is is always been fantastic, and you always have such wonderful guests. And it's no, it's even if I hadn't been on your show, your your show would have been amazing. Oh well, thank you, thank you. I do appreciate it. Is, it is, and it is amazing. I, and I, we love your show too. Obviously, I wouldn't have you on if that wasn't the case. It's a great place for people to you know explore topics in depth, and I think that you've done a lot in terms of like being upfront about some of the things about a magical practice with which some people might be a little bit uncomfortable talking about that I think are really helpful too. Anyway, not to not to talk about podcasting all day. We're here to get weird with it because sure. when I reached out to you, you let me know that you have been kind of down a rabbit hole yeah. on some issues here. And I'm really excited to hear about some of the research that you've been doing. 
Yeah. So I hope by the time that this episode's released that my episode will be released. But the way that things are going these days, I don't really know if that's going to happen. But it sometimes really... takes me forever too. So okay. who knows? <laughs> I'm trying to have this episode out before the end of January of 2024, but uh, what's been happening is that over over the last two years, there have been a large amount of people that have been reaching out to me, basically saying like, Doug, uh, there's a lot happening these days regarding UFOs or UAPs, as they're called, which are unexplained aerial phenomena, I think is the uh, is how that is uh, or unidentified. Heard. Sorry, un- unidentified aerial phenomena, uh, anyhow, or anomalous phenomena. Nobody really knows. Uh, but I've just had over the last two years so many people being like, "Doug, you need to cover this. You need to cover this on the show." And uh, in a small way, I did. I did an episode back on March fourteenth of twenty twenty three which uh, was about fairies and UFOs and aliens and visitors, which proceeded to be my most listened to episode last year. Um, So people really wanted this. So what happened is that uh, December rolled around and I was like, I'm going to do, all right, I'm going to do an episode about UFOs to finish off 2023. So I started researching and I started, um, and I already know a lot about UFOs. It's been one of those things. I've got pictures of myself when I'm like 11 holding UFO books on Roswell and stuff like that. So I've been always been kind of following the UFO and UAP story. Uh, so yeah, I was like, yes, I'm going to get this episode out before the end of the year. Uh, and then I just kept researching and I kept doing stuff and I kept recording and it just started getting too much and uh, it's now the end of January and I still haven't released that episode, although I've done small things on my Patreon account. But suffice it to say, yeah, it's been um, I've been working for nearly two months on one episode uh, that uh, will hopefully be out by the time this is released. But yeah, it's been very interesting because podcasts about UFOs are all over the place. They're ubiquitous like there's so many podcasts about ufos everybody who's got a magic podcast talks about ufos and i've heard quite a few episodes about ufos from from people and particularly when you have guests yeah i mean even kind of looking back at the history of talk radio which podcasting is kind of a scion of i mean you look at like coast to coast and things like that it's just being like these kind of huge institutions there a hundred percent coast to coast was one of those things that uh, i'm old enough to remember i i was able to get pirated day after pirated episodes of coast to coast. Cause I lived in like the middle of nowhere in, in uh, uh, rural Canada. And, uh, but we had like a little 33 K modem. Like it would take forever. It would take, like, <laughs> it would take like three hours to download, but I I'd, I'd get home from school and I'd start downloading it and I'd be able to listen to it around eight o'clock at night. Um, the shows themselves would run between an hour and an hour and a half to two hours. I remember, but, uh, yeah, that was a huge part of my upbringing. Um, I was, I remember it's something I talked about in one of my Patreon episodes. I remember there was the, uh, the, I, I remember listening to the day after the signal interruption, there was a period of time where I don't know if people listening to this know about this, but it was, it was huge. Uh, if, if you were listening to Art Bell and his radio show coast to coast, there was a guy that came on, he sounded really frantic and he talked about how he used to work at area 52 <laughs> and he was really like they're they're listening in these aliens aren't real they're interdimensional beings and then he gets cut off and then the signal goes dead 
for Coast to Coast. And then he comes back on maybe about 45 seconds later. And is like, that was weird. Art Bell goes, that was weird. Um, our, we had a complete <laughs> systems failure. We're running on like generators now. And I remember that was, that was September 11th of 1997. Fascinating. Yeah. I and, don't remember that, but I do, I do respect Art Bell's showmanship. Oh man. Yeah. It was, it was, it was great times, but, but yeah, that's, that's kind of like, that's what I was raised on. And for sure, this, this, this stuff has been covered so much. And my problem and my issue with this white whale that I've been producing an episode on is just, there's, it's how to present information that people are very familiar with in a different way to make it interesting for like two and a half to three hours. And that's, and that's hard. Um, so hopefully uh, I'll be able to in a week's time, basically say like, ah, I, I did it and hopefully people enjoy it. But yeah. I- one of the things that I'm going to be working on this year is sort of looking at the intersections of things like CE5 work, work where humans try to reach out to extraterrestrials to try to make contact and, you know, things like evocation and other occult or esoteric practices. One of my friends, Flood from the XV Planis podcast is going to be collaborating with me on this. And um, so, yeah, this is something that, you know, there's a lot of intersection in terms of like concepts, but a lot of different languages being used, which I think is something that you're touching on. So like you're coming from a very like occult perspective, you know a lot about grimoires and other things like that. Is there is there a way that you're looking at this issue that you think might be kind of unique just because of your knowledge base? Oh, gosh, that's a that's a major question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that what I'm I'm actually trying to do with this episode more than anything is that I, I'm trying to convince people that are hesitant about uh, UFOs. We talked briefly before we hit the record button here that a lot of people nowadays, because of them being inundated with so much stuff regarding aliens or ancient aliens or UFOs, it's it's so much that a lot of people that are into the magic and the occult really don't want anything to do with this stuff. I think because for one magic is like their safe place sorry their safe place for the weird and the esoteric and it's philosophical and it's it's very personal and the ufo thing just seems like something fringe that's now being like there's a huge amount of conspiracy that gets involved in it and and that kind of thing so people are just tired and they don't want anything to do with it i've i run polls on my uh, on my patreon for people, I do it about twice a year for people to vote on what gets covered on the main podcast. And I put UFOs up there. I think I've run seven of these polls since I started my Patreon. And UFOs have been there like five times and they've never gotten enough votes. People, <laughs> people that are interested in magic and the ones that are supporting my show truly don't want me talking about UFOs. Like okay, it's well, it, why it, are you into them? So, you know, if people hate them so much, like why why are you into them? Like what what is it about the phenomenon that you find to be intriguing? Well, it's, it's everything, isn't it? It's, it's truly like there's no other mystery around in Western culture now that's bigger than UFOs. Nothing. Like, people are tired of like near-death experiences. Like I would love to say that near-death experiences and what happens after we die is the biggest mystery in the Western world. But for some reason, death has been relegated as being even too taboo for most people to talk about. But we still are able to talk about UFOs. And I think that that's one of those things, UFOs and aliens. And I think that that's one of those things that it's represented in our art so much. It's represented in, and so it's everywhere. Like we, there's what, there's alien wacky, wavy, inflatable tube things 
everywhere, right? Like we, we, we have no bigger mystery that we can actually still talk about than UFOs and aliens. It's, it's, and it's been fascinating to me as, as when I was younger, right? So um, I think what my main ambition is to try and do is, yeah, I know a lot about grimoires and I know a lot about magic and entities and things like this. And, and recently with the intersections between UFOs and, and fairies episode that I did in March of last year, that I think people who are interested in magic need to look into UFOs and the phenomenas that get kind of funneled down and dropped like a small little, you know, all of these things get put into, I, I call it a funnel in my podcast. They get funneled into something. And what comes out of the very bottom is just like a little pill. And that pill is like, you swallow it and it's okay. There's mechanical craft in the air, all of this different phenomena that has been recorded throughout time by a lot of different cultures. Nowadays, all we get is they're aliens and they're abducting people. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, let's look at the phenomena a little bit more because yes, a lot of people will be like, okay, it's, it's, it's pretty much synonymous and it's exactly the same in some way with fairy experiences and what people experience with contact with, with fairies uh, throughout the, from like the, the 13th century to the, uh, to the 19th century and beyond. Yeah, Passport um, to Magonia by Jacques Vallée explores this concept, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. But it's just like, it's, it's so blatant that it's like, it's the same thing. Like it's, mm-hmm. there's nothing that you can't say. It's, it's, if these people are relating true experiences, they're the exact same as those true experiences from, from farmers in Sheffield and in, in, in the, in the 18th century. Right. So my ambition with this show is, is basically that I'm just like, I understand people's hesitance to want to engage in this stuff now. Cause it's very loud right now and it's very flashy and it's, it's kind of lame. Um, <laughs> but I think that as, as, as magicians, we really do have to engage with it for one, because I think it's a, a wonderful harbinger of comparativism. The, the book you just mentioned, Passport to Magonia, that is comparativism on like the next level. And Jacques Vallée, and I, I talked with Joshua Cutchin about this on our episode and it's true. Jacques Vallée, that work is so important for doing that. It, it's mm-hmm. it's one of those things now where it's easy to name drop Jacques Vallée and it's easy to name drop that book and his other book, Dimensions, which is as good, if not better than, than Passport to Magonia. That act alone blew the do- blows the door off of everything and allows for this kind of magical thinking within something that had been com- becoming by the point that he wrote that book very very materialistic it was all these are aliens and they're they're beings from other planets and Jacques Vallée was like this is this is a shadow for an experience that has been with part of the human experience for a very very long period of time and i think that is for magicians like that's there's grimoires that talk about how to summon fairies. <laughs> like, Absolutely. Oh, like, and, and, and they're in for a period of time, they were as notorious as those trying to summon demons. And what's strange is that a lot of the language is very the same. And it's so, I think UFOs are important. And I think that um, my ambition for the episode is don't be dissuaded by what is being shoveled to us now about, you know, this stuff, the government having all of these like, craft or that they're talking with non-human intelligences which is just when i hear those words i just want to like 
really? Like, cause we're, <laughs> if you're an animus based magician, it's like, everything's non-human intelligence. Like, I was like, the, my cat's a non-human intelligence. <laughs> right. It's just like, Oh, like, damn you disclosure. Like the current disclosure. I talk about this in my episode, the current disclosure has me absolutely this, this idea. And if people don't know there's what's happening right now is that there was a series of videos that were released not too long ago that show very odd craft being uh, filmed by military vehicles by aircraft. And yes, these videos are pretty weird, but that spurred on just this idea that the government knows more about this than they're saying. And there's a push from people who are involved to what degree we don't really know. Some of them are true hucksters. Like some of them, I just, I'm not going to name drop them right now, but this, like some of them are just like, that's very obviously this person is just trying to build a reputation for themselves. Um, and they, they know absolutely nothing. Because if they knew something, they'd have said something. Uh, but uh, there's other people that uh, that say that they've, yes, there's the government is talking with non-human intelligences. And so this current disclosure season has me nearly vomiting in my mouth with the fact that I, I have to agree with Neil deGrasse Tyson, who released a video saying like, non-human intelligence isn't that rare right like if the like it's not it's not one of those things it's like the the reaction that people have when they say that the government might have talked with non-human intelligence is that immediately it's aliens that they're talking to is so dumb like it's so human centric and that neil degrasse tyson had, had to be the one to point that out in a video and i have to agree with him it's disgusting <laughs> disgusting how dare how dare he <laughs> how dare i have to agree with him but it's true if you're sure. an animist based spirit based magician the world is f- like no, the human intelligence is the minority like we're the Absolutely. we're the small we're one of the smallest aspect of the the the, the chorus of of voice that you hear on a daily basis Even right philosophically like interrogating what our definition of intelligence is anyway right. so okay there's something about all of this that And I agree with you, actually, by the way, like, I think there's a lot about this current discussion that I find problematic. And the idea that the government knows more, and they're not telling us, like, to me, who, okay, Bono, who does that help? It doesn't seem to help us. It seems to help the people who are said to know more than we do. It's like, there's this book, The Dawn of Everything by David Graeber and David Wingrew. It's pretty interesting. Mm But in it, they make this interesting point about like how social power works. And they kind of talk about how social power functions as this kind of like trifecta of knowledge and charisma and violence. And so like this idea of knowledge being part of power and that's being sort of like part of this narrative, I think, strikes a chord for me. Yeah, David Graeber, he passed away not too long ago, didn't he? He was under like very, he got sick and died very quickly. I've, I've only read one of David... Graper's work. He wrote um, Bullshit Jobs, right? Um, you know, I am not sure. I've only read this one text by him. Okay. We read it for a book club, which it was interesting. When I was reading it, I'm like, I don't really like this. I don't think this book is for me. Like, it seemed like it was written for somebody with like a knowledge base that I didn't have. Like, I don't have a huge background in anthropology, right? So I was right. like, I, I don't know what arguments this is disproving, you know? But looking back on it, you know, the more that I think about it, the more meaningful it has become. I'll probably reread it soon, but yeah. Mm. No, I think that they're entirely right. And what we have happening right now is that, as I as I mentioned, there's a lot of people who whose work I actually enjoy in some regards. And again, I don't want to try to like mention too many names because, um, uh, for one, I've asked some of them to be on my show. But <laughs> like it's but it's, it's one of those things where um, 
you do have a lot of people saying the things that I would love to hear. I would like, oh, so there might be literal physical evidence of contact with non-human intelligence, whether they be alien or whether somebody's literally talking to, I don't know, is able to have a conversation with a plant. Who knows? Mm-hmm. I still find this very interesting. But what we have is just this this gravy train of of people being propped up by major publications and major news outlets over and over and over again, selling this idea. And again, you're right. Who benefits from this? And it's, it's a tough one because in most cases, you, everybody knows that there's been government, there's been government interference about UFOs and this stuff since day one. Like since day one, there's sure. been oh, some yeah, sure. very interference and, run immediately. Absolutely. And it's also like well-established. This is not conspiracy theory. This is like established historical fact that the government's often kind of taken a hand in how these narratives are portrayed in the media. So that's definitely part of it as well as we're seeing like. Absolutely. And I think um, one of the... Uh, one of the things that I say in my episode, and this is not giving it away, if this episode is released uh, before uh, before mine is, <laughs> is that um, when people ask me, like, because I do get asked, because people, again, this this seems to happen every 10 to 15 years, the volume gets turned up on government disclosure about UAPs and UFOs. People get interested again, like, and they come to me like, Doug, I need a book. Give me like a book to start with. And I say, the first thing you should read is, is a book by Mark Pilkington called Mirage Men. And it is about that, about how certain agents from certain agencies within the U.S. government are literally trying to get people to believe certain things because it is basically running interference for things that you, they don't want you to look at and that how, how that is baked into the story. Yeah. So do you think that would it, would it be fair to classify people like that as sort of our new like priest class in our culture? Well, it's weird because... I'm seeing something that's happening that's very uh, strange currently occurring with uh, another person whose books I quite enjoy and somebody who you mentioned that you will be uh, taking classes with, which is uh, Diana Walsh Pasulka. Mm -hmm. And there's these people who online, they are very much about studying the interference that government agencies have with UFOs and this entire story, the everything, you know, all, everything that's been shoved down into that funnel that we have as that pill that we've taken, that aliens are driving craft and that the government might have craft, that they take a, they took a very hard stance on government interference. And they're like, this is, this is conspiracy based, but not like tinfoil tin hat conspiracy. And then they had, they took the, then they take a look at the work of somebody like Dr. Basulka and they don't like what they see because a lot of her sources are in government organizations. And what they're saying a lot of times is some very interesting stuff, particularly stuff involving how the government is receiving messages and that there's some hierarchical thing occurring within these agencies that might be receiving or talking with non-human intelligences. And so these people that take a look at Dr. Prasulka's work are shitting their pants because they're like, this person, is it like they're being force fed? Is this person now a spook? Is this, is this person trying to provide this overlay of, of spirituality on something that already has a ton of government interference from the get-go so that now- Very enigmatic, yes. About, and, about, and, but people like me who enjoy her work, American Cosmic 
was mind blowing. It's great. Sure. It's fantastic. Yeah. Really cool. Really cool stuff. Yeah. But there's this idea that UFOs and this stuff is more spiritual than we think. And a lot of her sources are people that are, she was just on Joe Rogan. Like that's millions of people, <laughs> yeah, yeah. right? That's millions and millions of people that, that we're getting these ideas to. So a lot of the people who, who I'm reading and their work I'm respecting are shitting their pants. Cause they're like, um, she's basically getting all of her information from people that are very most definitely government assets. And all of this talk of how there's, people that are definitely talking with non-human intelligences and that there's this hierarchy based and that there's going to be this other overlay of a kind of new religion because UFOs and all of this other stuff has been a new religious movement since 1947, since Arnold's it's a new religious movement. Like there's, there's pilgrimage sites at Roswell. There's like, there's people saying we're going to meet our gods soon. Yes. Yes. So, What's what we have now is the, this. This uh, while I love Diana's work, it is kind of true that you have to, in a way, read between the lines. Like a lot of who she's getting her information from. Why? Why is it from these organizations that I've never trusted and should not be trusted because they are have constantly been these mirage men, these these people that really want to feed information to make people feel certain things. And there's, there's something happening where it's tough for me, who's a magician and an occultist and interested in the paranormal and the supernatural, because on one side, you have these, these folks saying, this is yet another misinformation campaign that is coming from those who are studying anthropology and um, comparative religion in an academic sense, Basulka, Dr. Jeffrey Kripal, and now they're being steered by more people from uh, these organizations that we don't trust. But what's odd is that they're doing great work. And the things that they're saying, while the sources are might be ones that I'm not really too enamored with, it's brilliant. I really think it's, I think American Cosmic is is an exceptional book. And from what I've read, I've read half of, of uh, um, Pasulka's new work, Encounters. It's, it's, it's brilliant stuff. But yeah, there's this, there's this tension that's occurring within me. That mm-hmm. that is just like, oh my God! Like, is this going to be what you say? Is this going to be this new priest class that that at some point some government organization is going to be like, we have been able to talk to things that aren't human. We don't know where they come from. It's been like, a really even if it's not technology true. in the past for controlling the population. Why not use it again? <laughs> right, right. So to, to suffice to say, like that, I've been down a rabbit hole on this episode. Absolutely. But there is this danger, I think that, and there's a huge hesitance. I, and I read it a, a lot with, with skeptics and ones particularly I'm not going to name, but uh, I always, I always try to go when there's disclosure season. I try to listen to what the most skeptical people are saying, not like Michael Shermer shithead skeptical. And that's somebody I will mention by name. If you follow <laughs> Michael Shermer, um, soak your head. Dude's an idiot. Anyways, um, shots fired. Shots um, are fired. <laughs> We're coming he's, for you, he's, sir. <laughs> he's just, he's just, which is crazy because actually Michael Shermer has one of the coolest paranormal experiences ever um, involving his wife uh, and her late father and a radio. Like it's a crazy story. It's like the one time Michael Shermer had something paranormal happen to him and it's a humdinger great story. Anyhow, um, 
when there's disclosure season, I listen to skeptics, people like uh, Jack Brewer uh, is, is a name that I will, I will definitely big up and people like Mark Pilkington, um, because the amount of crazy batshit that's coming from everywhere, including academic sources that I enjoy, people like Pasulka and, and Jeffrey Kripal and even Jacques Vallée, who's not really an academic, but I definitely consider him a scholar. It's, it's things get very, very hairy, very quickly. And, and this new idea that we're starting to be get, I mean, uh, discounting things like uh, Tucker Carlson and this idea that there's like demons, which is like, great. The demons have entered back into the equation for ufology. Wonderful. There is this new hook that I'm starting to see wherein the acknowledgement of this current disclosure season as a somewhat spiritual experience is one that can, for us who are more magically inclined from a distance, taking a look at it, being like, that's interesting that it's happening, but also to be a little bit wary as to who the sources for these people are. As wonderful as the the information that's being portrayed to us is, where's the information coming from? Be, yeah, care- be careful, be cautious. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think that in general, this might not be a super popular. I'm full of unpopular opinions, though. So that's okay. Um, I do I do think that like some degree of skepticism is really healthy and really necessary in any like magical practice. Like, there's a lot of claims which are made and you know being able to sort of interrogate what you think about those claims and to what extent you'll be willing to invest your time or money or whatever else into what this person is telling you you know i think is it's a really important thing so yeah i think that that's definitely something as a community we might be able to have some more conversations surrounding absolutely skepticism is an incredibly healthy thing i I did an episode back in october with julio cesar odi who i kind of had the same opinion he's he's somebody whose work i i he had this blog called crossed sons then eventually he released a book uh, called magister officiorum it's about solomonic magic but i've identified very greatly with his work and i was so lucky to have him on the show Uh, he was such a great guy but i came at solomonic magic kind of with the same feeling, which was one of skepticisms. Like this is promising a lot that if I do these things, I can have contact with entities mm-hmm. and to approach it, not from a faith-based, a faith-based foundation, but by method alone and, and trial and error. And eventually you get to, to, to do certain things. So skepticism is, is incredibly, uh, incredibly important. I'm, I'm, as, I'm probably more skeptical than most people think for me. I get a lot of emails from people asking me like how to do certain kinds of magic for certain life situations. And 95% of the time I will never give, and it's not to try and protect myself, but truly I think that most problems that people have shouldn't be solved by magic. Mm-hmm. I think that like, like, why involve magic in something like that? It's, it's, I don't think that all magic should be done for spiritual self-actualization reasons. I, I want the absolute opposite of that. I think you enchant your life and then self-actualization occurs along the way. Uh, don't have it as a destination, but for most problems in your in your life, magic's not a magic sponge that can like help clean it or, or make things better. Yeah. And a lot of times adding magic to your life for, for very pertinent search situations sometimes can be a bad thing. Absolutely. But- yeah. I, we were just having a, con- a friend and I were having a conversation along these lines a little while back and the idea of like, you know, doing re- magic, like maybe love magic to make a relationship better. Um, you know, so it's like if you're having problems in your relationship, no. <laughs> throwing magic into the mix is probably not a not a good idea. You're just bad kind of, move. <laughs> yeah. So just exactly. There's a, a tool. It's a tool like anything else that if you don't use it correctly, it will. Yeah, you can use a hammer to, to hammer in a nail or make a hole in your wall. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I want to ask you though, for people that don't know what CE5 is, uh, what, how do we explain it to people? What, what the, so this is close encounters 
of the fifth kind. Yeah, close encounters of the fifth variety. So, oh, variety. Yes, okay. or the fifth kind. I suppose. <laughs> Apologies. I'm I'm the uh, occultist, and my friend is the paranormal investigator. So I'm Got speaking it. slightly out of class here, but um, the idea of CE five work is human initiated contact, where you know you're you're sitting out, you're you're doing various techniques um, using various technologies to try to reach out to extraterrestrial, extradimensional, whatever intelligences and somehow make contact with them. Mm -hmm. Um, So for me, this looks a lot like evocation. You're like, hey, I want to show up. I want to talk to you. (laughs) You know, meditation based. The things that we were talking about experimenting with are going to be meditation based. Mm -hmm. Um, So far, we are one of the things that we're doing with this project this collaboration is we're going to be producing some tools to offer to people to like experiment with themselves so the first thing that we did was i mixed like a sound magic track which was sigilized for the purpose of people being able to use it to make contact with the phenomena in a way which was minimally disruptive to themselves xyz you know i wrote the statement of intent out and uh, my friend flood did some ritual work to contribute as well and so we put this thing out here and He's taken it on a couple of different paranormal investigations that he's gone and like used it beforehand to kind of see what's up with it. And so far, it's it seems like there's a lot of juice to it. Both of the ones that he's taken it on sounded like they popped off pretty hard and everything. Mm. So it's still early days in this collaboration, but really looking forward to seeing what will happen and what kind of uh, weird stuff we can get into with it. That's awesome. Hey, I, that's that's very interesting. Yeah, it's one of those things where... I heard the term CE5 used for the first time, like maybe like a decade ago. And I thought it was very, you know, again, skeptical. I thought I was like, that, that's, is that the best way of going about it? <laughs> right? Like that's, <laughs> it's like sitting and meditating, waiting for, for aliens, however they're conceptualized to you to, to show up. But it's, but again, like it's one of those things where as far as my episode and my work is always, is, has been lately, I just released a Patreon episode talking about, you know, how, my magic, uh, my magic has changed quite a bit since I, I I moved. I had a big life change where I moved from a major city to a a very small city comparatively, in a place that's like an island. And it's uh, my magic has had to change because of it. And um, it's one of those things where I think now the engaging with with something else is. Not that I want to do something that is big and grand, like a Solomonic circle on the floor, but yeah, it's more of just slowing things down, going for walks, doing doing certain things, having certain spots and certain loci where there's there's uh, certain offerings and things put out and stuff mm-hmm. of that variety. But yeah, it's 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 one of those things that to me from the outset, I just say like, wait, wait, wait. People are meditating to get contact with something. Of course, sounds- so, as, so as occultists, right? So as occultists, we have this whole tool set. We have this sort of like understanding of, you know, hey, if I want to like talk to some kind of non-human thing, here's a bunch of different ways to do it. You know, here's the Solomonic method. Here's a bunch of other different ways. You yeah. know, somebody who doesn't have that knowledge base, you know, sitting and meditating might be the best idea they can come up with. So yeah, True. these kinds of collaborations might be, you know, able to like kind of get to the heart of that kind of stuff for, for people who actually are interested in looking at things through that perspective or paradigm, right? Like we could look at the whole UAP thing as being its own magical paradigm if we wanted to. And definitely. Um, yeah. I'm fascinated by, I'm fascinated by the, uh, the prospect and I'd love to hear how it goes because yeah, it's 
my magic over the last little while has been the way that I put it is, it's like finding my fairy faith mm-hmm. um, for a period of time. I, I might've mentioned this a little earlier, the word paranormal might as well have just been replaced with fairy. Like the way that people had experiences, everything was related to, to fairies. It was, <laughs> and anything odd that happened was the work of fairies. Um, this idea that everybody was blaming like witches and stuff like that. It's, it's a little bit tired, but um, nowadays we have the term paranormal, but the lion's share of paranormal activity that people think of nowadays is all related to aliens, alien abduction, UFOs. There's a little tinge of ghosts that we have these days, but for the most part, it's, it's, it's the paranormal is UFOs. So what I've been finding is that, yeah, by directing, directing my attention at how people interacted with quote unquote, the paranormal slash fairies back in days of yore, it's like this is this kind of stuff is just it's right relations. It's getting things right for your area. It's a lot of like strange superstitions, like leaving food in certain places and 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 things of this variety. And and that's what I think is is very interesting because in a way it is it's not like the CE five way, which is like to try and extend an arm so that something grabs it. The other way is that they extend the arm and you just happen to be there when they do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which so yeah. is yeah, it's an interesting way of, of thinking about it. So I'm curious, and I apologize if you've talked about this before, but have you had any experiences with the phenomenon, like other than stuff that your occultism has led you to? Yes. So I, I begin my newest episode about talking about my first big UFO experience and about just how cinematic it was. Uh, I've, I've talked about this a little bit uh, when I had uh, the guest Ren Collier on the show for uh, for talking about journeying and, uh, and out-of-body experiences. But I'll make a long story short. I uh, Full disclosure, I was high at the time. So I, I always put that out right every way. But I wasn't like bombed out of my head. It was a school night. My parents were, they were on vacation somewhere. And you I was I think, 17 like years THC? old. THC, is that what you mean? Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So I was, I smoked a bit of weed. I was watching a movie. And it was a school night. I remember it being like, I was about to go to bed. Like I was truly about to go to bed. And there was a light in the backyard. Well, kind of like backyard, front yard. It, our house was in a weird location. So I had this kind of like a garage pad. And I noticed the light out in the back and it didn't look like a light from our house. So I go out to let my dog out. And then as I'm walking out, there's this light that's just hovering. Maybe feels like 50 meters above my head. In feet, I don't know how many feet that is. Let's this is like a 120 feet, I think. <laughs> um, but it just stayed there. There was a light, and it was just a light up in the sky. And I remember looking up at it, and then my dog sitting down next to me and looking at me, and then looking up at it, and it just stayed there, like it was just a floating light, just hovering above my head. And then eventually, I just went back inside, and I was very puzzled about the whole experience. I, I fake called into school sick the next day just because I was like, this is going to take some time. Yeah, I think what I, <laughs> yeah. So that was like the very first true experience of, of something like that happening. But what what was interesting about there's an there's been another couple of times where I was in there's one time I was in Mexico where there was something very odd moving about in the sky, like in in like a crazy way. And this was maybe two years before drones started to become a, a real thing. So part of me is like, well, it was a drone 
somebody in Moralia in Mexico had like a proto drone. Maybe it's possible, but I just remember this thing in the sky doing some really weird shit. And then when I went, I was staying with my mother uh, who lived down in Mexico at the time. And when I, I kind of like yelled at her and she didn't answer. And I was like, can you please come up here? And she's like, I can't hear you. So I had to run back down the stairs and grab her to come back upstairs. And when we finally got back up, it was gone. Cause of course it is, mm-hmm. but yeah, there's, there's, <laughs> it's just, there's always been these weird things, but what's interesting about the, the experiences themselves when they happen is just how, and I talk about this in my episode is about how there's this thing that I like to call the cinematic effect where it's like my consciousness when it happened, particularly the one that occurred at my old place with my dog, it was like my consciousness split from being inside my head in first person. And I could see myself in third person and it looked like a movie, Hmm. which leads me to believe that a lot of times our perceptions, and this is going to be like, duh, but a lot of times our perceptions are shaped by the kind of media we're we're consuming for Mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. But it just, my life went widescreen for a period of about 45 seconds. I was, my consciousness seemed pulled outside of the back of my head. And I was looking at my back while I was looking up at this light that was illuminating all of the trees and and, and everything. And a kind of really soft blue light, that kind of a cinematic experience usually only ever happens or has only ever happened to me in times where I'm very close to like dying or being in a car accident. Those are like the only Mm -hmm. other times that I can recall these situations And that it happened when I had this kind of strange UFO, ghost light, spook light, whatever you want to call it. Because again, these things have all been funneled into different experiences, but ghost lights and spook lights have been around for forever across all cultures. Will-o'-the-wisps, they're also called. Um, it's, It's strange that it happened you know, not when I'm in a car accident and not when I'm about to drown uh, and other times when I've had really scary experiences where my life was in jeopardy. Um, my world was completely rocked late 2022 from reading a book by Joshua Cutchin called Ecology of Souls, which for people listening, if you like UFOs and you like magic and you like Terrence McKenna, I'm just going to say if you like weird stuff, Checking a lot of boxes here. Yeah. (laughs) You need you need to read this book. I think this book is it's a book that I will be referencing for the rest of my life. And I know I recommend a lot of books in my life or in in my show and stuff like that. This book is very important. But that UFOs and this kind of phenomena is probably something about the big death mystery more than anything. It's we don't Joshua doesn't try to explain it because he just does that thing like that Jacques Vallée did so wonderfully in, in Passport to Magonia, but he just provides all of these examples and being like, look how similar they are. Like these similarities are so vast that a lot of times what we are calling fairy experiences or UFO experiences, a lot of times they have to do with death and, and the act of dying and what happens after we die. And, and, and the, the shamanic experience of, again, problematic term, but the shamanic experience is one visiting the other world and the trauma suffered because of such things. And it's just an insane book, but it also is like one of those ones where it's like, yeah, So the cinematic experience where my consciousness is pulled out of my body and I can see myself in third person has happened mostly when I'm about to die (laughs) or I'm in a terrible accident and I'm bleeding. And then this UFO experience. Yeah. 
there's so, something interesting there, just like maybe even from like a physiological perspective, right? Like, mm-hmm. I wonder if it's like something maybe that the body understands that the mind is, you know, grasping to catch up with, right? That's it's very right. interesting. Yeah, no. So it's it's one of those things where I've I've read Ecology of Souls now twice. <laughs> it's and it's a huge book. It's about a thousand pages because there's two volumes, but. I know you mentioned earlier on Instagram was like the most famous necromancer. And I do enjoy Only death. Only my and favorite. <laughs> um, but I, uh, I, I, I do enjoy death and death is something, you know, that, that I've been very enamored with studying and, and, and things like that. So of course I'm going to be like, look, Oh, Joshua Cutchin has written a book for me that talks about UFOs and magic and death. Right. And so, but I really truly do think that there is something again with the fact that, in my opinion, the biggest mystery that we have is what happens after we die. But we can't talk about that these days. Very few people are talking about it. So then we have to draw our attention to UFOs, which we can talk about. And lo and behold, I think that they're very, very related. Um, and I think that the mystery, those two mysteries themselves are definitely connected. And uh I'm not looking for explanatory finality as to how they are linked, but I still think that it is outrageously important for people who are interested in magic to look at. I think it's the big thing. If Jake Stratton Kent is, is uh, rest in peace. He just is just came up over a year of since he passed away. Wow. Time, time flies. Speaking of necromancers, but uh, he, he mentions that a personal magical practice is a kind of personal eschatology it's a way of understanding what happens when your world comes to an end like not the world in general but your world specifically comes to an end and i agree with him in that in that sense i think a magical practice done well should in some way be about what occurs when you're not here or maybe you still are but uh, these are these are important things that i think that are essential to a, a ritual magic practice, to a magical worldview. I think that, you know, just just saying that I'm not interested in UFOs, I'm not interested in um, fairies, I'm not interested in these kind of things because it doesn't look like ritual magic. It doesn't look like, you know, ceremonial magic and robe wearing and Aleister Crowley and stuff like that. I think I'm thinking you're missing a huge part of, of, of magic. Anybody can study anything in magic. I always say that. Like I, I literally don't care what people's magical paradigms are. Mm-hmm. I, I, I make a lot of fun of Golden Dawn and, and, and Thelema and stuff like that because they do get the lion's share. They get the lion's share of attention. They, sure, they truly exactly. do. And, 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 yeah. and these days with the release of Hellier and, and you know, uh, that yes. the, the idea that Aleister Crowley contacted aliens is like, oh, let's start this machine back up again. And here we go. Um, and so I still get emails every week about it kind of stuff. It's just like, that's great. Sorry, guys. He actually lied about everything involving the book of the law. Like, yeah, that's truly what I, that's, that's truly what I believe. Everyone. He was a con man. But, um, interesting as it is, but here's the thing, but by engaging with this kind of stuff, like I'm not a, I'm not a fan of Hellier. I thought it was very boring, but I, I, I think it's important that it exists because it's brought a lot of people to my podcasts, sure. um, but also that it's, it's getting people interested in this stuff. Yeah. Um, the, the main lesson that I think that's also worth taking away is that I just released an episode about armchair magic and uh, it's called like the unnecessary suffering of the armchair magician, <laughs> uh, because what is interesting about magic, which is also interesting about when you study things like the paranormal, the supernatural and the uh, and UFOs and stuff like that is that 
without you even doing anything, weird stuff starts to happen to you. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people go down like rabbit holes and, and they mistake this mystical experience for reality. And those people are fairly easy to spot. Um, I'm not going to say, you know, like they're crazy, but a lot of times they mistake strange mystical experiences for the actual reality that applies to everybody else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But just by reading into this kind of stuff and involving your, yourself in this kind of stuff, strange things occur. One of my favorite books um, involving UFOs is um, a book by Ed Conroy, who was a, he was a, he was a journalist and he decided to tackle the claims made in Whitley Strieber's infamous book, Communion. So there's a book called Report on Communion by Ed Conroy. And this is this is a journalist. And he had the graces of, of Whitley Strieber to, you know, any questions he asks. But what happens is, and it's an incredible document, what happens is that Ed Conroy, fundamental materialist, like, just wants the facts, Jack, give me the facts. <laughs> crazy stuff starts happening to him, <laughs> you know, like, and just, just by, just by involving yourself in this kind of stuff, you can live a magical life without drawing a single circle on the floor, without doing a single lesser banishing ritual of the pentagram. And that's what I think is really quite wonderful about all of this kind of stuff. Now being skeptical and being able to keep your head, you know, when, when things do really get dicey and they do, they do get dicey pretty mm-hmm. quick yes. um, is, is very important. Again, mistaking your mystical experiences for and spiritual experiences and the weird stuff, the liminal stuff that happens to you for everybody else's reality is, is, is always very foolhardy. But you are engaging in a thing that has gone through time under many different guises, which allows people like Jacques Vallée and, and, and Kiel to have this idea that there's an inter, like a interdimensional hypothesis that these things have occurred all throughout times. It's just the way that it's manifest changes from fairies to vampires to werewolves to UFOs. It's just, just another manifestation of it. But by engaging in this kind of stuff, this is, this is, these are true mystical experiences. And so um, it's important. I believe it's been a very long ranty thing. I hope, I hope it's uh, it's not all, uh, all craziness, but I, I truly do think that just merely by not just thinking about it, but just researching it, giving yourself like a year to look into various stories of how, of how not what it could be, but how it is expressed is wonderful. Weird stuff does start to happen. And it's, it's, it's really quite crazy. And, uh, and no, no other kinds of like ritual magic needed to fully enchant your life in a way magically. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm, my background is like in science and stuff. I'm always a bit of a a doubting Thomas, which I recently learned meant, you know, Thomas was the disciple that like wanted to put his fingers in Jesus's wounds. Like, I don't right. really, it's like, <laughs> I thought that's pretty gnarly. But anyway, um, I, I like there to be evidence that I can measure and things like that. And, you know, when you ask for that kind of thing in your magical practice, sometimes you will get it too. And so like, you, if you're, if you're that kind of a thinker, uh, you can approach it from that type of a way as well. Absolutely. Yeah. The wonderfulness of what's occurred since, you know, Alan, Alan Greenfield wrote um, the, uh, the, cy- the cyber of the UFO knots, cypher of the UFO knots, pardon <laughs> yes. me. Um, is the that people really- cypher of the UFO knots. That's go. the one. Yes, that's <laughs> the one. Yeah. I read it ages ago. And, and so, yeah, people are now, they're starting to do that thing where perhaps, you know, I would, I would recommend people look into the fairy stuff first, but, you know, they're just like our rituals can contact 
entities, right? It could be the same thing as the CE5 stuff, right? Which is cool, which is interesting. I'd say that to make that one-to-one comparison immediately, like aliens equal entities contactable via ritual magic, I think is one of those things that's very easy to say. Because being somebody who has had very, very clear experiences with entity evocation, they certainly don't hit like you think they will. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a very different kind of agency and it's very otherworldly in that kind of like, oh, it is a little bit biblical and it's <laughs> in the way that, that they behave and it's very odd and, and it doesn't it doesn't seem like what has been described to me as as how people describe alien encounters. So are they the same thing? I can't say for sure, but I, I do think that what we're having nowadays um, my advice, particularly for people that go into this kind of stuff, like because they're interested in the fact that Aleister Crowley might have contacted entities from other spaces, that just go a little bit earlier than Crowley. Go look at the stuff from fairies first. That's probably a, right now a better way of being able to contextualize it. Doesn't mean you have to throw everything that you know is being written about uh, um, entity evocation and aliens out of. The, out, just throw it right out uh, into the garbage right now. But I think a, a more useful way of looking at it right now, particularly for, for rituals, um, the, the fairy route uh, seems to be the best route currently. But I understand the appeal of, of, <laughs> of uh, um, you know, I can do the star ruby and then I'll do a little, do a little ritual and I'll, I'll sit down and meditate and uh, the aliens are going to talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I'm curious, like this current disclosure season, as we're mm. as we're experiencing it, what would be like if you if you could make uh, you know wave a magic wand and create an outcome for this current kind of round of things? What would you, how how would you like things to go this time? Well, truly, I've got I've got people that I talk to, and I, I really hope this doesn't sound mysterious. <laughs> I've got people I talk to. That, I have sources. That, I can't. I have people that I, you know, my what's what's been one of the wonderful things about my podcast is that I, I'm I'm I get to talk to my heroes. Like I get to, like it's wonderful. Yeah, I, I, I I I can email them, and they usually answer me for the most part. And so there's people who I can't mention by name, but they start they're talking, um, and they're they're embroiled currently, and they they they've got skin in the game. The, the current, I'm not saying I'm talking to Grouch or anybody like that, but um, they are mentioning that conversations are being held behind closed doors, most likely, and uh, they are talking about certain things that are getting away from the whole nuts and bolts conversation uh, of disclosures past of things like aircraft crashing in Roswell, New Mexico and stuff like that. They are truly looking at this more spiritually and that it's part of a human experience. So when that kind of thing is occurring, that's interesting to me. That is something that's like, well, job already done. Like the, the people making the most noise aren't the ones that are, are the ones that are uh, going along these lines because it's much easier to sell stuff. And get people to buy books if you're saying that they're actually spacecraft. But there's other people that are that are um, higher up that are like, hmm, it seems to be part of a bigger mystery that doesn't involve alien spacecraft. And so that's just kind of like human progress has always been two steps forward, one step back kind of stuff, right? And so yeah. with current disclosure season, I think that a lot of people are going to be walking away from this being like, okay, there are other ways of gauging intelligence besides a normative hum- human one. 
there is capability of, of, of looking at the world more animistically. Um, they're never going to use that word. Words like panpsychism will probably be used. Uh, but that's that, yeah, we're seeing, we're seeing a shift of this great mystery moving away from green men from Venus to this is something bigger about us and life. Mm-hmm. And somehow it's connected and we're connected. And that's, that's something that has to move away from, from being exploited by government agencies and people trying to sell you stuff. That's yeah. the, that's, that's something that apparently is, is already happening. Again, I can't really mention who has been telling me these kind of things. Cause there's about, there's about four people that I've been talking to, um, but they're seeing it. They're seeing, you know, people are, people are reading things like Jeffrey Kripal's books and people are reading Joshua Cutchin's books and people are reading, you know, Diana Walsh Pasuka's book. She's on Joe Rogan. That's crazy to me to think that she's on Joe Rogan. That's nuts. Um, but good for her, truly. Yeah. Um, but the conversation is now going to one that's moving beyond aliens, which is mm-hmm. good. Because I, I, I truly think that I wouldn't be one to say that the, the entire experience is entirely human because that whole psychological aspect of, of UFOs fairly, I, I, I don't think it cuts mustard at all. I think there's too much of it happening all over the world for us to basically just say it's some weird trigger mechanism within our brains that allows us to see things. Mm-hmm. Um, too many other people have seen things in groups and, and things of that variety. So. And it's happened throughout human history as well, too. So it's, you know. <laughs> yes, it's like, it's like, this is not a new phenomenon. This stuff didn't start in, in, in June of 1947, right? Mm-hmm. Like this, this stuff has been going on for a long time. Yeah. But, but truly, I think that the, step, the stepping away from, from that kind of uh, a view is, is occurring. Now, the flip side of that is the idea that this immediately gets Christianized in that sense that it's a battle between good and evil and that the aliens are actually evil demons. And it's just like, Oh no. Yes. Yes. And that's, and that's the one thing that I want to stay away from in terms of like this intersections of like evocation and CE5 work too, because it could easily go into that type of territory, which is not where I want to go with it. And a lot of the people that are, I I hate to say it, you know, and this is not going to be, controversial in any way shape or form but a lot of the people within the u.s particularly who are for disclosure they all seem to be um i'm gonna say uh overly conservative shitheads um and it's it's so bizarre that those are the ones that that want this to happen the best but truly the the downfall of materialist paradigms and removing any kind of of spirit from things is that the world becomes very cold and very clinical and dead which is a perspective that you know was it, it was needed for a period of time. I truly think that it's it's a paradigm that will be coming to an end. I don't think it's like the end point of mm-hmm. of the human the hu- of human understandings of the world is that everything is is matter and it's atoms and and all of these other things uh, that you know we can read about in a textbook. I don't think you know I'm I'm fourteen in that sense where these are what he would call dominance and this dominant will end and then another dominant will take its place in a in a Kuhnian paradigm like mm-hmm. sense. But uh, yeah, I, it's very odd to me that the people that are that within government organizations in the U.S., the ones that really want disclosure to happen, happen to be like really awful people <laughs> and, and who, who don't who want more rights than other people. Like just let fucking people live their life. Holy mm-hmm. shit. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I don't yeah. get that why they think they have skin in the game because it's it is going to get turned into while well, these things are demons and we have to fight them spiritually. 
God. Oh. Yeah, that is. I could. Yeah, that Wrong. that is very troubling. That's uh, very very no. fucking troubling. Well, I yeah. think, and I think there's just one. I just want to bring this up because it's another element of this whole puzzle, which I find interesting. Is like there's this kind of, and you you kind of touched on this, like you know these intelligence agencies as being part of the like this, the narrative, right? And there's got to be some aspect of this whole story that it takes place within the realm of like tradecraft, like spy stuff, like, you know, where it's, you know, people, these messages are not necessarily for us, but for other governments about, you know, I think that there could be some stuff like that going on as well. Um, one, of the, one of the most interesting observations I've always been told is that um, I forget who it was that told me, but they basically said anytime that there's any kind of like a government uh, hearing about this kind of stuff, don't look at who's in front of the microphone. Look who's sitting a row behind them. Mm. And it's it's very true. A lot of times you will see with the current disclosure stuff is that it just it actually just sounds like government agencies uh, having a spat over something that's going to drum up a lot of publicity. Okay, aliens drums up a lot of publicity, but it's more about trans probably probably these current disclosure hearings about transparency within these or government organizations and one one agency not getting the information that they want from the other agency and being all sour grapes about the lack of transparency between agencies themselves. Yeah, and so and it's, the politicians have a chance to be the, you know, white knight and ride in and yeah. say, we'll protect you, Grush. We're going to yeah. protect you from those bad men in black that are threatening you. <laughs> you know, points are scored all around, you know? I, I want to share this because I, I mentioned this in my podcast because it's such a great quote and it's just a, it's just a tweet. But again, when this kind of, when these kind of things start happening and when the, the volume gets turned up, particularly about the government themselves, I always go to this, the more skeptical thinkers and Mark Pilkington, again, author of Mirage Men. There's also a documentary you can watch. It's very fantastic. He, uh, he was asked a lot about what do you think about the current, you know, the, the UAP hearings and, and I'm going to share his two tweets because they're awesome. And so I also do this on my episode. This is what uh, Mark Pilkington had to say. I quote, very brief thoughts on the UAP hearing. A new religious movement was exploited as a disinformation and psychological warfare tool during the Cold War, became a much larger religious movement and is being exploited as a disinformation and psychological warfare tool, plus money. While it's clear who is driving the current push, fueled by their religious and cheered on by the defense and entertainment industries, other organizations are watching benefiting from and making the most out of what is going on. All of them are human. Not all of them are friendly. Like, <laughs> when, when I read those tweets, oh, I was like, fire, dude. Yeah. Okay. Holy shit. It's like, that's there. It's right there. It's like, and it's, and it's very, very true that that last little part though, is that all of them are human. None of the, not all of them are friendly. It's, it's, that's frightening. Mm-hmm. But again, to just keep going back to why I'm making my episode, this kind of stuff and being able to parse out information and come to your own conclusions from the information that's given to you by sources that are probably not the best and probably definitely want you to think certain ways. As a magician, you have to parse this kind of stuff because there's a lot happening right now and there's a lot of information heading your way. A lot of times by people that just want to make money from you, a lot of times from people that you know want you to believe a certain thing so that they can profit from them, as some say. And I'm, I'm not just talking about government organizations. Some I'm talking about people just want to control you. Yeah, some people just want to straight up control you because that's what they're into. So, yeah. 
So UFOs and studying this kind of stuff is in another incredible exercise in being able to figure this kind of stuff out for yourself, to be skeptical of what everybody's trying to tell you and, and, and things of that variety. It's a very useful tool um, for that for the, for that exercise, which is unfortunate because you might not think you're engaged in that exercise, but you are. I hate to say it. If you are online in any way, shape or form and you are a magician, you are being shaped by who's talking to you and who's tweeting you and what things you see on Instagram and all of these kind of things. So it's nobody lives in a bubble anymore. Yeah. Everything is an interaction. And I think a really great example of this, and this is something that you touched on earlier is just, you know, how the way that media that we take in influences our perception when the first, you know, sighting of, you know, UAP was reported way back in the day, the person said it skipped across the sky, like a saucer skipping on water, but he didn't say that it was shaped like a saucer. That was a miscommunication communication between him and the paper they reported that it was shaped like a saucer after that people start seeing these flying saucers everywhere so it's i think that that's a really important story about how that seems to work a hundred percent there's actually a book that goes into all of this that i read for my episode and it's called saucers by chris aubeck chris aubeck has worked with the jacques valet as well so he's no slouch yeah you're exactly correct so he he mentioned to an our uh somebody from i forget which newspaper his name was william starts with a b anyways he mentioned yeah that it was like a flying saucer but before this period of time the term flying saucer was already used quite a bit for what we now call clay pigeons for uh, uh target practice they were used for target practice in the army like the the term flying saucer was around before kenneth arnold's sighting so when kenneth arnold landed and he talked to a newspaper he was mentioning that the appearance of the the craft itself was bat-like it looked like a bat and so it's kind of got this odd crescent moon kind of shape to it and you can see pictures of it um if you there's pictures of Kenneth Arnold holding it. But while he was talking to this reporter, uh, yeah, he said it was bat shaped and it skipped across the water. It was like a flying saucer. When that story was later brought into the Associated Press, and this is the one that everybody read, mm-hmm. uh, the Associated Press removed the it looked bat life appearance from, from the text that was given to them and just had the flying saucer bit there. And then everybody just assumed when they read the article, it wasn't there. He didn't, never said it looked like a flying saucer. But when people read the article, they just assumed in their mind that he was talking about the appearance uh, and the description of the the nine objects that he saw in a line over Mount Rainier. And yes, it's true. Within within a year of that article, 90% of the people polled in a Gallup poll knew what a flying saucer was. There was those things seen in the sky. They didn't think that they were aliens. That hadn't been solidified yet. It was very early days, but 90% of the people polled in that, that Gallup poll had heard the term flying saucer and it wasn't flying saucer as in clay pigeons. It was flying saucer things seen in the sky, but you are in hundred percent correct. Like the, the, the craziness of misquotation and things being left out and obscurity that that story overlays the rest of the story of UFO and UAPs is such a wonderful chef kiss. Like, yeah, that's right from the get go. There's shit being left out that has, basically been a veneer of misquotes and misidentification and all of those things that are all part of the story. It's wonderful. But yeah, Chris Arbeck wrote a book. It's it's really quite wonderful. Um, well worth reading, but you were entirely correct, Luxa. Yeah, it's this this that's <laughs> that's how it happens. It's it's right off it's right off the get-go. Yeah, and it really says something interesting about the power of media. Um, yeah, Plato was probably right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Nick, thank you so much for like taking the time and hanging out and sharing all these thoughts, getting weird with me about all this stuff. 
where can people find your excellent work? Basically, the best way to find my stuff is through uh, whatmagicisthis.com. It's my website. So uh, I, I talk a lot about certain things and I like to provide show notes. So uh, if people go there and they click on the episodes, yeah, just go there, find something that you like listening to if you've never heard my podcast. Um, But yeah, there's access to all of my show notes, but also if you feel like supporting my work, if you like my work, uh, I have a Patreon. It's only seven bucks a month. Um, I sometimes share things on Patreon, like when I'm on other people's podcasts, for instance, this, uh, this episode, when it drops on Lux Occult is going to be put on my Patreon as well for, for people that uh, join that as free members. But if you feel like supporting me, it's only seven bucks a month, but pretty much everything you can find is on whatmagicisthis.com. I'm on Twitter and X. I just kind of post funny stuff there or things that look pretty to me. I, I, I don't really engage on Twitter very much anymore. Um, it's, it's a bit of an elephant's graveyard these days. <laughs> um, Instagram, I'm kind of on there. Uh, I just posted a picture of Haggis earlier today. So uh, for everybody, happy Robbie Burns Day. This is probably coming out after the 25th. Um, <laughs> so, so while you've been listening to me, I've been full of Haggis. I've been full of, uh, full of guts and oats. Ew, that sounds terrible, but I, <laughs> but I said it. You're welcome to edit that out. Um, but uh, That's definitely going to stay in. <laughs> but Facebook, I'm, I'm barely on Facebook. So if, if you want social media interaction with me, uh, Twitter is probably the best, followed by Instagram. Uh, you get to see my lovely face. But for all of those things, whatmagicisthis.com. And I just want to say it's been so lovely to hang out with you, Lexa. I, I, I missed it. The last time I, I had you on the show, it was about sex magic. Yeah, which we is, about sex magic. It was, this was a while ago, a couple of years ago now, I think. Yeah, it was over two years ago. And, and since then, it's, it's creeped into the top 10 of most downloaded episodes, which I knew it was going to. I truly was like, oh, yes, <laughs> people... People immediately see magic podcasts if they don't know anything about magic and they scroll <laughs> like, until it's, oh, ooh, sex magic. Sex. Yes, please. <laughs> so, so you're in the top 10. Um, right. You're, you're up well, there with cheers. Aiden Walker. Thanks, and, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, people, people, people like that show. And, and truly, and here's what's weird about that episode, Luxa, is that I have got zero bad, like zero negative feedback. Every show I put out, I always have somebody complaining about something. But we did such a good job on that episode. I don't think I've had one complaint. Actually, that's not true. Somebody said that we should have talked about uh, Kat, uh, Craddock. Um, oh, yeah. That would have Ida been Craddock. Cool. Yeah. yeah there, we should have talked about her a little bit more. things we could have talked about. We, there, I mean, it's a huge, expansive topic. Right? We really only hit the huge, just the survey of the broad strokes. Yeah. Exactly. But no, it's it's top 10 episodes, but this has been an absolute blast. I can't believe how long have you been talking? Almost an hour and 20 minutes. My goodness. Yeah. Barely talked about magic. I'm sorry, everybody. Don't worry, everybody. I'm not, I'm not, my podcast isn't turning into a UFO <laughs> podcast. It's just been a very, this has been a, a proximity infatuation. Um, but uh, all of you wondering what happened and why is the show on a hiatus and when's the next episode going to come up, uh, come up. Well, it's because you kept emailing me about UFOs. So sometimes you just have to go down a rabbit hole and it takes as long as it fucking takes. It, exactly. And truly it's been, it's been eye opening. I uh, enjoy this kind of process of being able to craft a story about something that has meant something to me throughout my entire life. I've loved aliens. Like I think I saw close encounters from the third kind when I was like eight, Mm -hmm. like this kind of stuff has been with me my entire life. And so it's a bit of a homecoming, right? I'm, I'm just always perplexed why ritual magicians and people that are interested in magic, why they want to get rid of ghosts and they want to get rid of, of aliens and Proximity as well. I've just used that word, but I'll use it again. But why theosophy and why 
spiritualism also, they don't want to deal with those kind of things because all of them are related and all of them are magical and all of them are, are crazy interesting. And more than that, uh, as much as ritual magic has shaped the world, those other things have shaped the world more and mm-hmm. they're worth more investigation. And, and we have to onboard this stuff because uh, it's it's very important for our understandings. Yeah, I totally agree. And I my hypothesis about one of the reasons why some occultists maybe shy away from or don't prefer to think about things through that lens is that when we're thinking about things through the like paranormal space of like ghosts or aliens or whatever, it puts us in much less of a position of control than we would sort of feel like we would be in as the occultist who's drawing the circles and saying the words, you know, like we're in the driver's seat in that space. That's not necessarily the case when we're talking about ghosts and other things. And so it's possible that's just some discomfort surrounding that i think so as well yeah and i think you've definitely hit the nail on the head there i I will just say this like in retrospect of certain certain things that have happened in my life as cool and as amazing as solomonic interactions have been and yeah they've been really crazy that experience i had where i saw the light those kind of things it's the things that have happened to me not of my own doing that have usually been the more mystical and the more profound (laughs) right Mm -hmm. and so my magic has shifted in a way to trying to get to that space where as a child, you know, liminality and, and the world of imagination, which again, I think the imagination is real. Uh, the world of imagination and consciousness and liminality is a state that I live in as opposed to just something that I have to sit down to evoke or cause to happen uh, because truly they have been the most profound experiences of my life. As, as cool as, you know, hearing a voice from behind me, from a spirit that I am attempting to to adjure, mm-hmm. and then seeing something completely beyond the pale in, in the form of a light, or or perhaps something out in the woods, or just any kind of other strange interactions. The ones that I yeah, the ones that I don't, the ones that I didn't cause to happen seem to hit very differently and are, are just as profound, if not more so. Anyways, this is a long, long-winded way of saying uh, my magic has shifted to trying to get things to happen to me, as opposed for me to just go out there and make them happen. Um, I'm old too. It's <laughs> doing doing Solomonic magic is very tiresome. You have to stand in a circle for hours. It's when it gets past eight o'clock, it's bedtime for me. Like I'm, I'm an old fart now. So. <laughs> So I'm enjoying walking in the woods and I'm enjoying putting out little like spirit boxes and, uh, and uh, little areas of, of trying to cultivate, I don't know, cultivate liminality or the paranormal. Um, but I'll just, I'd just say like, it's, it's, I'm trying to find my fairy faith because I truly think that my ancestors were interacting with this kind of stuff as a lifestyle, as, as in, in, a, in a Western European context, they were doing this kind of stuff anyways. It was a matter of survival. So I think that there's something, there's a thread to pull on there for a lot of people who I think don't feel like any kind of magic speaks to them, but they still want to have the spooky stuff happen. Mm. Yeah, fuck yeah. Well, Doug, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Always. Hey, Luxa, what do you have there? It looks like a tattered old Discord server. Oh, this old thing? It's pretty beat up. But if I do this... Sweet! Now that you peeled off the outer bits, it looks fresh as hell! We should call it the Green Machine. Awesome! I fucking hate it! That's okay. It should function alright, but it would probably work better if we had more people. Yeah! We have an awesome crew of chaos, occultists, socialists, witches, and weirdos, but there's always room for more! Absolutely! If you'd like to take part in any of our many chats, rituals, workshops, clubs, and more, hit me up and I will send you a link. 
You can reach me at luxacultpod at gmail.com or at luxacultpod on Instagram. And remember, resist. resist. All right, thanks so much to Doug for joining me. Check out whatmagicisthis.com. His episode about all this, which he was talking about, called UFOs, question mark, has recently been released. Congratulations to him for getting through the mire and finally getting it out there. I can totally relate. And don't worry, Luxacult is likewise not turning into a UFO slash UAP podcast, though I may potentially periodically report on that line of inquiry here or there. Doug and my conversation ended up providing me with some good leads, as I suspected it would. Looking forward to seeing where that strange road might lead. I want to share a few thoughts about what's going on with the discussion surrounding disclosure, but let me first take care of a few housekeeping items. Don't forget to check out all the awesome shows on the Green Mushroom Podcast Network. We've got Administrism, Grognostics, Primordia, Ad Hoc History, Smuts Up, Unearthing Paranormalcy, XV Planis, and now Camera Occulta. You might have noticed that there was not a bibliomancy break in this episode, which is a departure from how I typically do things. I like to change it up here and there. This time I became so enraptured by talking about alien shit with Douglas that I totally spaced it out. <laughs> but if you like the show and you're into what we've got going on over here, you can support it on Patreon, which will entitle you to receive a bibliomancy reading from me. Making this show is, of course, a pretty wild amount of work, especially for just one intrepid podcaster, but it means a lot to me to be able to do it. Thank you so much to the people who are making that possible by giving on Patreon or buy me a coffee, and to the people who are supporting the show by spreading the word. Tell all of your friends, enemies, and rivals about it, as well as everyone you meet at the next UFO convention you attend. And when you reach out to our space brothers, don't forget to mention the Luxacult podcast to them either. You can also post about it on social media or write a positive review where that's possible. Both of these things are super helpful, so thank you so much to everybody who is already doing that. Oh yes, and don't forget to smash the shit out of that like or follow or alarm button so you can get updates when a new episode comes out. Join us for our weekly Fungal Friday chat this week on the 9th. Laura will be hosting a talk about Thunder Perfect Mind. You can also join us for our monthly Rune Study Group and Six Ways Book Club, also hosted by Laura, thank you, um, as well as the 23 Bibliomancy Experiment on the 23rd. Well, at least for the next six months it will be so. On the 24th of the month, we do Cinema Score, hosted by Yara Murad, where we hang out and make fun of campy old horror movies. On the 29th, Frater Damiana will be hosting a psychedelic integration circle, and we are going to be doing some more chats about critical thinking and logical fallacies and stuff like that coming down the line here too. As always, these fun and free activities are open to anyone, I mean, unless we've had to like ban you from the server or whatever, and hosted on the Green Machine Discord. We've got a lot of other fun stuff scheduled and more in the works to come. Lots of cool stuff going on there, so hit me up if you want a link. Much love and much love to everybody participating in the Green Mushroom Project, regardless of what that looks like for you in your practice. You can find Luxacult, Hello Void, and other merch available at Illumin Industries, which is my Etsy store. Items will be printed on demand using the most eco-friendly options I could find and shipped directly to you at pretty close to cost. So check out the very dope Hello Void design that was made for me by T.A. Grady, aka Mirth and Woe, on Instagram. Also the person that did the dope graphic design for the Mycocultus working. 
I'm going to play the track that I produced as part of Flood and my collaboration here in a moment, as well as sharing some more thoughts about Disclosure. But first, let's go ahead and do listener mail and shoutouts. All right, first and foremost, a very happy birthday to Asher, my longtime cohort and collaborator and sometimes partner in crime. It's been so much fun making ad hoc history podcasts with you. I've really learned a lot. Adding a historical context is a fantastic way to understand any topic better. And learning about history with you on ad hoc has brought a lot of valuable perspective. I look forward to looking at more of humanity's epic fails as we continue to cringe and laugh along the way. You can check out the Ad Hoc History Podcast, and especially of note, the recent episode that we did with Flood and Dave from Unearthing Paranormalcy Podcast, where we discuss disclosure and the history of the topic. Greetings and much love to the entire Pocket Wizard family. I recently learned that you all have been referring to the primordial suit from which all life on Earth is said to have sprung, which I mentioned in the last episode, number 75, Psychoanalysis and the Cut-Up Technique with Dr. Vanessa Sinclair and Anonymous Agnostic Antichrist with Derek Hunter. You're referring to this uh, soup as the Elder Soup, which I absolutely fucking love. You all are delightful. Please never change. Cheers and much love to everyone participating in the Audiophilia experiment. I'm so grateful for everyone being willing to undertake such a strange and personal journey on this thing. In this collaborative audio sigil experiment, participants from all over the world performed recursive ritual work using sexual energy to dissolve shame and explore new esoteric territories. As far as I know, and if this is not the case, please let me know because I would be excited to learn more. But as far as I know, this is the first time that something like this has been attempted. And so I'm so stoked to present what we've built together, which will be released on February 14th, 2024, just a few days from now. And it's really gone by in a flash. So cheers. Douglas mentioned the TV series Hellier earlier. Shout out to Lonnie Scott, host of Weird Web Radio, who is featured on that show conducting a hypnosis experiment in which... After being hypnotized, a person who didn't believe in extraterrestrials was convinced that they'd been abducted. I thought that this was one of the most interesting parts of that series because it demonstrates how very powerful suggestion can be under the right circumstances. And this stuff is pretty well studied and well understood. People kind of, like, use it all the time to sell you shit. Anyway, check out the Weird Web Radio Show and check out episode 32 of this one, Chaos, Heathenry, and Hypnosis with Lonnie Scott from Weird Web Radio. And also check out number 48, The Five Pillars of Consent with Zach Budd and Odin and Inclusive Heathenry with Lonnie Scott. All right, fuck yeah. So getting back into it here, the thing I personally find most intriguing about the phenomena and the discussions which surround it is that the whole thing is a very complex and interesting puzzle. You have the actual experiencers of paranormal events, people who are sort of the disciples of these experiencers in some cases, members of the intelligence community and the spy games that are being played with it. You have genuine seekers looking for answers obsessed nerds like me, uh, fringe scientists, occultists also like me, confidence people, and other opportunists. I guess perhaps like me the case could be made with this episode. Unclear. Regardless, a truly delicious smorgasbord of intrigue. And none of these categories are mutually exclusive either. It's like an onion in which each layer cuts deeper and more tear-inducingly, or a lotus of insight which continues to open. 
take your pick. Uh, the book Mirage Men by Mark Pilkington, which Doug recommended, I would highly recommend as well. It's definitely helped me to read between the lines better when approaching this topic, as well as kind of maybe confirming a few suspicions I already harbored. So full disclosure, I'm biased in that way towards the book. But I do highly recommend checking it out. I have yet to watch the documentary, but I do plan to do that soon. As I was getting at earlier on, as occultists or magicians or witches or weirdos or whatever you want to call yourself, we are already aware that the world is sometimes different than everyday experiences would lead one to believe. Spooky shit happens. I'm guessing that's something that most people listening can probably agree on. We've seen strange lights in the sky throughout human history. There's obviously something going on with all of this which is compelling and mysterious in its own right. When it comes down to looking to the government or whoever else, like a religious leader, to help determine what's really going on there, though, you know, for that person, that individual having that experience, I guess I just am not the kind of person that likes to put authority um, in those types of systems. I just don't have faith like that. Throughout human history, authority structures have made the claim that they have some kind of a direct communication with some type of non-human, higher intelligence, whether that's a god or the gods, the ancestors, spirits, etc. As I said during the interview, it's always been a very effective means of creating social cohesion and controlling a population to maintain a status quo where those in power stay in power, etc. We seem to be sort of psychologically hardwired for ritual and spirituality and things like that. Understanding this can allow us as individuals to enrich in our lives and gain agency and personal satisfaction and a variety of other things, like a sense of connectedness to the divine, which a magical or spiritual practice can offer. It's a sword that really cuts both ways, though, and that's something I've been thinking a lot about. The first little piece of tech that has come out of my collaboration with Flood, as I mentioned, is a sound magic track that I produced and which Flood and I both did some ritual work for. You might have heard it before. It seems to be super popular, actually, which I appreciate. But I also wanted to share it as part of this episode since I referenced it so much. So this track, Eyes of Your Eyes, was created with the intention of being used as a tool for those who wish to engage with the phenomena in a matter which is beneficial, productive, and minimally disruptive to them and their surroundings. It was inspired by the strange events reported at Randlesham Air Force Base on the nights of December 26th through the 28th in 1980, and features audio recorded by Lieutenant Colonel Charles Halt at the time. So after looking into this case, it seems like it's, you know, the result of some hoaxing on the part of the British with some later attention-seeking mixed in on some of the American players, I don't know. Um, but it's also undeniable that at the time of the recording, Halt, a staunch skeptic, you know, if, if the reports are true, was experiencing something very strange. It's interesting to me to think about that liminal space between the hoax, the joke, just going through the motions of ritual or prayer or whatever, and the point at which things begin to coalesce and become real, or that you really start to feel it. Things begin to manifest. For me, the magician card from the tarot is sometimes like this kind of speaks to this type of a space, this liminality. This thing is sometimes portrayed as being a sort of like confidence trickster, running a sort of like three card Monty game outside of the gates of where the actual mysteries take place. It's kind of not actually within those bounds, but is maybe the thing that gets you in the door. So as this kind of initiator, the magician archetype has a little bit of a foot in the mundane and in the magical. 
where in the mundane world it sometimes is a confidence scammer or like, a, you know, I've said it before, like a fuckboy or something like that. Um, and in the sacred where it's this kind of like spark that lights the divine fire or gets the ball rolling or whatever you want to say. The Rendlesham case and how it's regarded within the community has that kind of tarot magician or maybe even pure, the geomantic symbol, that, that vibe for me. It's a spark that started a fire and one which burns in the hearts of many who are into this stuff. That it might have been sparked artificially, perhaps by a human hand with a Zippo lighter, as it were, makes that fire no less bright or no less hot. And this is a very important magical lesson, in my view. As Richard Dawkins might argue, it's actually our ideas that persist in the world with much greater fidelity than whatever genetics we might propagate. Thinking about the Raelians and their human cloning and all of that, I think they might have it incorrect, right? The path to immortality, I mean, such as it can be in a universe where entropy exists, the path to immortality is mimetic, not genetic. Some ideas live for a very long time, they're impossible to kill outright, and they very rarely go extinct entirely. Although I suppose if one of them did, there would be no way of knowing it, right? Regardless, the mind is a territory where these entities live and where they vie for resources. The mind is a battleground in this way. So where it's possible, I urge you to defend your territory well. Here's the Green Mushroom Project statement of resistance. Resist. Resist by maintaining sovereignty of the self. Resist by maintaining love of the self. Resist by maintaining fierce loyalty to love and pleasure. Resist with acts of radical kindness. Focus on the path to better times. Fuck yeah. Thank you so much to Douglas Batchelor for joining me today. Check out the most recent episode of What Magic Is This podcast to hear more about UFOs. Thanks to everyone who contributed tracks to the digital mixtape and to Audiophilia. Thanks to everybody who has been of assistance, both seen and unseen. And most of all, thanks so much to you for listening. Much love. This is Lux Estrada reminding you to stay strong and stay fucking curious. Here's eyes of your eyes. Cheers.
back toward the, the base. The object has left. The object has left. It's still beaming down lights to the ground. It's only 100 hours. One object still over at Homewood Bridge Base at about 5 to 10 degrees off the horizon. It's still moving erratic and similar lights and beaming down to the rear. Now, 244, we're at the far side of the harbor Occult is part of the Green Mushroom Podcast Network. What scares you? Ghosts, aliens, monsters, the occult, conspiracies. Some of you like to be scared, and unearthing paranormalcy is for you. Some of you try everything you can to avoid it. Unearthing paranormalcy is for you. We take the topics that scare some, and we dig in to find the source, then present the history to make the paranormal a little more normal. We also throw in a bit of comedy to shed a light on some of the darkness in the world. So whether you're scared of bumps in the night, what's inside your own mind, or strange lights in the sky, we cover it all. We dig in and present all that we find and try to come up with some logical and not so logical reasons for the high strangeness happenings. Sometimes we are scared of the things we don't understand. And the more we understand, the less we fear. So find us, Unearthing Paranormalcy, on your favorite podcast app. And join us on Facebook, Instagram, and Discord at UMP Normalcy. And until next time, keep digging.